Hi there, Menorah Missionary Baptist Church family. It's good to be with you today. Uh, we are here to do our sermon recap that we try to do each week. We missed it last week. Uh, Pastor Dave preached on Father's Day, and then we were away at youth camp, so we didn't have the opportunity to recap his sermon. Uh, but today we're going to jump ahead and recap the sermon that we had this past Sunday. We had youth camp Sunday. Uh, hopefully you were here if you weren't. Uh, you missed a good service. We had all the youth who went and adults who went to camp in the choir loft there. They filled that thing up pretty quick. Uh, and then Pastor Scott preached a message that was in line with what we focused on at camp this week, at youth camp this week. And our theme this week at youth camp was all in. <clears throat> we actually had Pastor Adam Sutherland there to preach. He wasn't able to be here Sunday to preach. and But Pastor Scott had wrote... Uh, devotionals for every day throughout youth camp. And so the kids are expected to read their devotion each day. And so what Pastor Scott did in his message is he kind of took those five devotions and morphed them into a sermon for us. And so Pastor Scott's going to kind of lead us this morning in the recap of that. And we have the opportunity um, to discuss it the best that we can. And so Pastor Scott, if you want to kind of take it away for us today, and we'll follow your lead. Yeah, I, I tried to make it pretty clear yesterday that throughout the four, we have four full days of camp. Um, there's the day that we get there and the day that we leave, but there's four full days in between. And each of those days has a different main point, and they were God is all in, the world is all in, Jesus is all in, and I am all in. And so as I tried to think through that, I mean, really, when you think about it, all you're doing with that theme and those daily themes is going through the gospel, is going through the message of the gospel, why we need the gospel, where it even begins, and then kind of what the result is, like, what do I do now that I have that? Um, But it starts with God is all in, and that's a that's a challenging place to start because I don't think that makes a lot of sense to many people to talk about God <clears throat> at the beginning, to talk about God first, the fact that God is all in for his own glory. That's the point. And so I guess the question I have for you guys, I mean, we can <clears throat> talk about what I, I preached. You know, we used Psalm uh, 115. Uh, in our in our devotion that begins by saying, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name, give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. If we're thinking about just the gospel and presenting the gospel to people, why do you guys think it's important to begin with God? Why is he at the beginning of this message uh, that we are sharing with the world? Well, I mean, as Christians, we believe God to be creator of all things, including us, including time, including anything like that. And so we have to get centered on him and who he is. And really, this is the hang up, though, for most people, because they will think of themselves maybe as the center. They might not say that, but it's where they come from first. Um, But we in the Bible teaches us to recognize God for who he is. I don't know if you mentioned this yesterday in your sermon or not, but I know Adam did at camp, Isaiah 43, 7. Did you talk about that yesterday at all in your sermon? Mm, I don't think so. Isaiah 43, 7 says, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, who I formed and made. And there has to be a realization in people uh, when it comes to the Bible that 
what is best for them and what is best for the world is for God to receive the glory he is due. And when you read the Bible, you quickly realize all glory is due him. He is he deserves all glory. We don't deserve any of it. And so if I was created by God and I was created in a way by God where my purpose in life really is to give him glory, then I need to know how do I do that and what does that look like? And I and what is hard though for most people is getting past thinking again that I'm the most important, that I'm the one who deserves some glory. I deserve this or that. And start to get my mind to wrap around, no, actually what is best for me is for God to get all glory, even in my life and any accomplishment that I do or whatever, he deserves all the glory and the praise. And so that really is the center of it. You might not go right there right away when you're sharing the gospel with somebody, but as we grow in our faith and stuff in this understanding, I think that's one of those things that we have to root out of our life, uh, that the Holy Spirit helps us to root out of our life more and more, as we start to see how easy and how often we rob God of that glory. I mean, at the end of the day, by identifying the fact that God is worthy of all the glory, God is the only one that deserves my praise and my adoration and the recognition of the one who is God, uh, when you sin, that is exa- that's what you're ultimately rejecting, right? Because you're choosing to not obey him. You're choosing to not trust him. You're choosing to not give him the glory that he is due. You know, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so that setting up the fact that God is the one who is deserving of glory and so that kind of sets you up to recognize what comes next, which is the world is all in, uh, because the world is opposed to the idea that God is deserving of glory. Uh, the world does not want that. Um, and so, I mean, we talked about uh, bringing up like idols and things, that it's not necessarily a little statue that you think about from an Indiana Jones movie that's a treasure or something like that. It's It, it could be many different things. Anything that you're putting in the place where God rightly deserves to be uh, in your life. You gonna say yeah, that? it's interesting. I mean, when when we do the all-in route, it's kind of like God is all-in on, on God and who he is, but that's what's best for you. So it's kind of a way of saying as well, God is all-in on you. Yeah, which is what Pastor Adam said. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then on the world side, when we say the world is all-in, we can't really say the world is all-in on you. The world is all in on itself, um, but it is labeled as it's all in on you. And here's the way to be the best you. But the problem is it goes so contrary to then being all in on God and what that what that looks like for your life, mm-hmm. right? Um, so it's two very different ways of living and viewing the world in general. Yeah. It's kind of like the idea that you see in Ephesians when Paul's talking about husbands loving their wives as they love themselves. Mm-hmm. Because when you're loving your wife, you are loving yourself in a sense of she is part of yourself. And it's it's that same kind of concept of it doesn't make sense to think to yourself, what will make me the most happy in that in that way? I mean, it, we, we can you can go down some dangerous roads talking like that, but I think it's biblically correct to be able to do that. What will make you the most happy is to glorify God instead of yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. Um, that seems counterintuitive to people, though. People don't think 
that glorifying another and prioritizing another will lead to your benefit. But that is exactly what Scripture says. And what the world says is, no, if you want to be happy, you need to prioritize yourself. You know, then that's what they're saying, like yeah. pointing you inward towards yourself or towards other things in the world that might make you right. Um, yeah. might promise happiness. And I think you did a really good job, you know, just kind of making it clear, especially, you know, to students that, I mean, it, there's competition out there. You know, the world's trying to get your attention. And I mean, Jesus said you can't serve two masters, and I think that's the that's the the catch there. That's the challenge, you know, not just for students, but everybody. everybody you know that that pull, you know, like I've heard it said, I I, I don't remember who said it, but basically, it, it's even though the children of Israel left Egypt and they were going to the Promised Land, Egypt was still in them, you know, and so it's hard to get Egypt out of you, mm-hmm. <laughs> even if you remove yourself from it, if you will. Yeah. And I thought you did really good about bringing that point out um, yesterday. So. Yeah, we all love the works of our own hands, don't we? Um, And that's really the great contrast Paul draws in Romans 1. The eternal God who uh, has life in himself versus what we we want to cling to, which is our own works. And... uh, and really, that's one of the things you, you you brought the marriage analogy, and I think that's a really helpful thing because that's the that's a metaphor God uses for His relationship as God and and we His people. Um, Moses even tells uh, the people of Israel in Deuteronomy thirty, he says, "Choose life that you may live," and then he says this, obeying His voice, talking about the Lord and holding fast to Him, for He is your life and length of days. And it reminds you of John chapter one, where it says, "In Him was life." And the life was the light of men. So to glorify God and to to cling to him and to honor him is not to, we don't give God anything that he doesn't already have. He is already glorious. We're simply speaking the truth and living in accordance with reality. So the world doesn't like that, obviously. It doesn't like the fact that we're created and he's the creator and we're sinners and he's the sinless infinite, holy God. Mm-hmm. We don't like that. Yeah. And so, um, I think, yeah, that's, that's what, that's the rub, but yeah. yeah, clinging to God is, is actually the right thing to do. Yeah. And I think the other thing that starting with God's glory does as you're thinking about the gospel is it kind of changes your frame of mind and it helps you understand. Like, I mean, as we're looking at Psalm 115, when the psalmist there is is asking God to glorify his own name, to give his name glory. The way in which, if you go through the psalm, the way in which God does that is by is by saving his people. Mm-hmm. That's how God brings himself glory. And so that kind of answers the question, I, I have gone with the world all in on my sin. I have rebelled against the one true God. Why would he save me? The, the ultimate answer for that is because it will glorify him, mm-hmm. right? We, have, we know it's because, yes, he does love us. That's true. Uh, we, we know, but we know that he cares for us. Um, and sadly, that's where people usually end it, though, the salvation part, you know, and that's what we want to tell people. And like you said, it is true, right? God loves you. God sent his son for you. Those are, those are accurate statements. But I think the problem is a lot of times we leave people there. Mm. And then that, then we, and then we get mad at those people because we're like, "You're making yourself an idol." And it's like, well, that's mm-hmm. actually how you shared the gospel with them—that mm-hmm. it's actually all about them. Yeah. Right. Right. And that's not that's not the end thing. It's it's actually all about him, like you were mm-hmm. saying, Scott. And and people need to come to understand that and realize that. You know, I 
I, I think about watching movies where there's still a kingdom and there's a king. And it frustrates me watching those movies because oftentimes those kings just treat people as pawns. You know, they're like, just keep attacking the wall. And it's like, why? They're just going to die. But they keep attacking the wall. And it's like, you just treat those people as little peons. Well, it's because for the king, it's about it's about the king in his kingdom and for his honor to be done. And so he's going to send who he needs to for the battle to win so he can say, look, I as the king have have won here. From my sensibilities of being in this world, right, I look at that and think that king is not a righteous king. He's not a holy king. He's not a kind king. He doesn't care about his people, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But then I want to approach God oftentimes that way. And so I think, well, God loves me and he's kind to me, so he's never going to treat me like that. He's never going to treat me just as some pawn or whatever it might be. And so I think really what's going to bring God the most glory is if he makes me look the best all the time. And then I start to struggle when I'm not looking the best, thinking, what is happening here? But really, God doesn't owe me anything. He's given me everything in Christ as a Christian. And so if God wants to send me over here, it's like, you're going to be a martyr today. It's like, I would love to look back and say, isn't it better if I stay alive and keep talking? No, in his plan, if it's today, okay, whatever. And I don't want it to sound like he's not loving again, like, oh, he's just using me as a pawn to move here, here, like a chess piece is on a chessboard. Uh, but again, I want to be in a state of saying whatever is best for God and his kingdom is what I want to be. So whether that means putting me up front or putting me in the back, wherever it is, whatever it is. And that's, that's really the battle that uh, we all face forever. We never, I, I don't think we ever are going to get over this on this earth anyways. Yep. It, it's something we're constantly having to fight that those worldly tendencies and reorienting our mind, letting God, you know, change our mind. Like it says in, in Romans 12, 1 and 2 of being transformed, right? The renewal of your mind is a constant thing because my mind thinks logically in this direction, but that's not always what God's direction is, uh, so this is this battle that's constantly raging for Christians who have been Christians for 40 years to Christians who've been Christians for three months. Yeah. Yeah. And you said something a while back that God does not owe us anything. God does not owe me anything. And that's that's very true because even though God is the one who is deserving of glory, he's the creator. He is our father. Uh, he is the only perfect uh, one. Uh, that's worthy of praise, we have made ourselves enemies of God. And that's the truth that the book of James uh, very clearly outlines, which is why when we are talking about the world is all in, that's where we go. And one of the, the truths that I really tried to hammer home for the students at camp and yesterday in my sermon is that you cannot you cannot play both sides. That That is the truth that James is trying to get across, uh, that if you make yourself a friend of the world, you've automatically made yourself an enemy of God. Because I think one of the greatest temptations, not just for students, but for any any person, is to try to play both sides. Yeah. To try to have both ways. Wouldn't you say this is where the modern day church is really struggling? We're, we're, we're like fighting this battle right now as churches of trying to be in the world, but not of the world. And there are definitely some churches, I would say, who are very happily being in the world and what I would say becoming of the world, mm-hmm. right? And and so trying to decide as leaders of churches or even as Christians of how do we 
draw this line to say, I'm all in on God, but yet I still live in this world, right? I still work. I still have a family here, still schools here, whatever it might be of trying to think through that is a difficult thing. And there's a lot of like nuances, nuances to it. But sadly, we have seen a lot of Christians, I think, uh, fading away and disappearing into the world mm-hmm. uh, and showing that you're not all in on God. You're, you're all in on the world and you're even wording it that way, you know, uh, where it is about God loves you, this, that God is love and all these things. And it's like this forgetting about what we talked about at the beginning that actually it's all about God's being glorified and honored. And what does that mean? What does that look like? Um, I just say that because I, I want people to know, even as you listen, like the, again, this is a, it's a struggle and it's, it's very hard. It's a decision you wake up every day having to decide to do. And in conversations that come up at work, I'm sure there's, I'm sure people listening have faced those awkward conversations, you know, where you're like, Oh no, I'm going to have to take a stand now on what mm-hmm. the word says yeah. so that I can glorify God. And what is that about to do to me here? Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I think that, 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 um, that concern that James brings up, which is right. That, um, being friends with the world and everything mm-hmm. that is, I mean, it's funny because, um, the idea that I can play both sides is actually just a very worldly idea. And it's funny because that's exactly that, that has been the common temptation for all of humanity. You think about mm-hmm. the Israelites, yeah, they were going to be tempted not to, their temptation was not going to be to deny the fact that the Lord existed. Yep. It was that I can worship the Lord and yeah. all the idols. Right. Right. And that the, the world around them was saying, that's fine. You can have the Lord. Yeah. It's, it's obvious. Yeah. He's, he's your mm-hmm. national God, but don't deny all of our gods mm-hmm. as well. And you can, mm-hmm. you, we can, we can all be together. Um, and that, so that temptation was back then the same substantial temptation mm-hmm. for us today. Um, and, and the lie is, is that, is that we put ourselves in the place really of, of uh, we think we can manipulate because you can manipulate idols. You can manipulate, or you think you can, you can manipulate them. You can buy uh, cause idolatry is very convenient because I don't have to give all of myself to an idol. I can simply manipulate the idol to give an offering, do this, do that. And then I get something in return, mm-hmm. but the true God cannot be manipulated. I can only submit and trust in him and his works and his ways. And that is the difference between uh, the Lord, the true and the living God and all of the idols. And the Lord is making a very clear distinction in his word that I am not like those idols. You do not control me. Mm -hmm. I control you. I, I think that the idea that you can play both sides and be a friend of the world and a friend of God is actually the deception that Satan would most want people to fall into. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not, I don't, I'm, I don't think Satan is going around trying to get people to just deny the existence of God. I think that probably more so what at least people in our American culture would be tempted with is to have that sync, what we would call syncretistic yeah. understanding of I can be a Christian and mm-hmm. this. Like, I can be content to still live in this sin in my life and go to church on Sunday and think that you can do both. But James is absolutely clear, and uh, the uh, Christ's words to the church at Laodicea are absolutely clear. Mm-hmm. No, you can't. And that's the, that's, the, that's the deception, is to think that God is actually content with this arrangement, 
because and for whatever reason people may think that like they prayed a prayer or they've been baptized or whatever but the the reality what what James calls people who do that in his passage that I brought up in an illustration that I used is that you're an adulterer when you do that that mm-hmm. you might be content with that scenario but you're deceiving yourself if you think that God is content with that mm-hmm. and scripture is absolutely clear he does not share glory that's why we have to I, to lay down the fact that God is all in for whose glory? His mm-hmm. own glory. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's not content uh, to share that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's you know, those are the, the words of Christ and his warning that I mentioned yesterday. When, when you stand before him, there will be many on that day who say, Lord, Lord, did we not? And his answer will be, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, you didn't. You know, you may have done those things, but it's like I never knew you. Right. Well, you might and, have done all these religious acts. Right. Well, and, 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 like and notice what Jesus says to them: "Depart from me, you workers of iniquity." Mm-hmm. They thought they were doing good works, but in Jesus's eyes, they've only been doing bad works. And the reason is, is because Jesus never called them to do those things. He called them to trust in Him, to be poor of heart, to be lowly in spirit, and to serve the Father. He never called them to prophesy. He says, I never called you to cast out demons and do all those things. Mm-hmm. You are workers of iniquity. Mm-hmm. And so that shows, again, the things that look good according to our eyes and our understanding are actually abominations in the sight of God. But the things that look like abominations to us are actually oftentimes very good works. I mean, look at Jesus. He's the epitome of that. Mm-hmm. That looks like the worst thing that could ever happen to anybody for a guy to be hung on the cross. And yet that is the ultimate act yeah. of righteousness yeah. that takes place. So the, the, the true, the gospel and God has to, it flips the world upside down from the way we look at it, I think. Um, yeah. yeah. We'll be in the Psalms coming up here. And uh, one of the Psalms I was reading today, and it also says it in Hebrews 10, I don't know, don't call me on that. Uh, the phrase sacrifice of praise. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe you've heard of that. There's like a song, I think, with that. In. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bring a sacrifice of praise yeah. into the house of yeah. the Lord. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's I know that. Yeah. Song. Um, <laughs> but people would, you know, you think about that, a sacrifice of, of praise or or some modern translations do sacrifice of thanksgiving. And then you wonder why is praise sacrifice? You know, why is why is giving thanksgiving sacrifice? And it's I think some of it comes down to what we've been talking about here. It's actually setting yourself up to say, I don't deserve praise. I don't deserve the thanksgiving he does. And it's weird because in us, that is the sacrifice. That's why so often, you know, we see in the Old Testament in different places when God would say, I don't, you're sitting here sacrificing these bulls, these goats, these rams. You think that's what I need? Right? And, and God's always trying to point them back to these heart issues of like, yeah, it's easy for you to give me this bull. It's easy for you to give me this goat, but... You're not worshiping me here. You're not praising me here. You're, and, and I think that's what you guys are talking about here with the lukewarmness. For a lot of people, it's easy to come to church two times a month, three times a month, or every Sunday. It's, it's easy for them to come and sit in there and do that. But there's a different thing about actually growing in the Lord, studying his word, being a part of Sunday school, being a part of a home group. And I know the the pushback could be, oh, are you just saying, you know, church life is what my faith is about? Uh, I'm not saying that your salvation comes from church, but I'm telling you that when God saves you, you are now part of the church. And so it should be a part of your life. That's one of the fruits that you will see in people's life is that they will now be doing these things. And, and so many people just think it's so easy to 
give their sacrifice. Well, here's my here's my goat today. You know, five bucks, twenty bucks, hundred bucks, thousand bucks, whatever it might be. You know, here I am today sitting in here, right? And I just think you know that Church of Laodicea is such a good example. And you used it at camp and brought it up again yesterday. <clears throat> if there's ever a warning for the church today, it's that one. It's like, man, that doesn't that sound like us? Like. Doesn't that sound like so many people we know? You're just lukewarm. You're riding the fence. And honestly, you're mostly in the world side. You might have a toe on this side. but Right. And I think I think it's a good point, too, to bring up is the fact that you can be lukewarm, but to the but even to other Christians or other professing Christians, you can be doing mighty works. Yeah, right. And I think about, I was, Isaiah 58, um, <clears throat> recently I've been reading it, and so it just comes to mind, but uh, the Lord tells them, because they've been fasting, Mm-hmm. They've been seeking the Lord, they think. And the Lord says, this isn't the fast that I seek. They've been doing a bunch of external things that look really good. And the Lord tells them, uh, he, he says, behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Uh, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. So the point is, is just because we're doing stuff that may look religious or even look mighty, like Jesus says in Matthew 7, you're doing mighty works. Um, those don't necessarily equal love and devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. We just got to be careful about that. Yeah, I can I can give a personal uh, insight into that. I think because this is the time of year where us as pastors seem to be the most busy, and they're like, "Look at the works you're doing. You just went to youth camp and sacrificed that, and here comes vacation Bible school, and then you guys are doing a serve Monroe after where you're gonna get the kids and go do all this work." And they're like. Look at you go, and I know for me that's usually the most uh, spiritually droughtish I can get during those weeks, because I'm not in the Word like I should be. I'm not getting rest, maybe like I like I should be. And I know we all have different seasons in our life, but to to kind of correlate that, you know, to other people, you can see where uh, a husband, let's say, is has been really busy at work and just doing his best to be a family man and do whatever. And you look at him and you're like, man, look at that guy is just rocking and rolling. But inside he feels dry because it's been all outward, emo- all outward at this time, nothing, nothing inward. And so we can all get, we can all get caught up in that. Like you were saying, Pastor Spencer, about just these outward deeds. And we have to make sure that the outward deeds are happening because mm-hmm. of what has happened inwardly, mm-hmm. what Christ has done and being centered on that, not, not looking for that praise and adoration. Yeah, look how hard I'm going. Look at what I'm doing. You know, look what I'm achieving. Look at me as a mom. You know, I've got four kids. I've took in three other ones right now, and I'm just rocking and rolling. It's like, yeah, but where's this coming from? Right. Why are right. you doing this? Right. You know, um, mm-hmm. we can all get caught in that trap. Yeah. And that goes back to God's glory. You know, it's like, because the heart is deceitful, as, as Jeremiah says. And it's easy to get caught up and say, oh, you know, look at what I'm doing and forget, wait, what's like you said, what's why am I doing it? That motive of why? Because is it that that a boy, you know, feel good, or is it, Lord, I want to I want to be faithful. I want I want to do my my best for Your glory, and that humility is such so essential. And I think that's where Pharisaicalism versus true humility is is you know the the, the contrast is there. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's so many ways that it's mm-hmm. easy for us to get caught up uh, and and brought in with the world um, because the world is opposed to the Lord and wants us to be opposed to. And if that's where the story ended, we'd be in big trouble. Um, But that's why it's important. And the next point is that Jesus is all in. And at camp, what we looked at was John chapter 10, uh, when Jesus talks uh, and shares that he is 
the good shepherd of the sheep. And the the main way that Jesus shows that he is the good shepherd is that he lays his life down for the sheep. He's not like a hired hand who runs away when trouble comes. He actually came to lay his life down. And his mission, he says in John 10, is that we may have life and have it abundantly. Mm -hmm. So while we are the ones who have gone with the world, strayed away from the flock, uh, rejected the Lord, and sought our own glory as opposed to his glory, in his love for us, as the good shepherd, he came and laid his life down for us that we might have life. And that's the message of the gospel, that, that Christ died for our sins. He sacrificed. He was the sacrifice for us on the cross so that all of God's wrath was poured onto him and that through him we might have new life because he <laughs> rose from the dead. And and that that is good news. That's the news that we need. That's that's what had to happen for for God to be reconciled to his enemies. Justice still had to be served. God is a just God, and that's how that was accomplished. Mm-hmm. That's how we can be justified before him is by someone else paying the penalty uh, for our sin. And that's what Christ did. And he was all in to do that. He didn't hold anything back. He, you know, Philippians talks about how he was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Um, so this idea of, I, I said at the beginning of my sermon of, it, you know, what it means to be all in, it's that you're completely committed to the task. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Christ was. Yeah. He was completely committed. I thought Adam said a good statement. Uh, like, it might. I don't remember which night it was, but he said, "You know, God didn't just say He was all in. He He's proved He's all in, and yeah. it's in this point with His with His Son, with Jesus, of what happened and took place. And how often can we give really good lip service and even really good intentions uh, to God? You know, we. I'm. I am going to. Maybe maybe some people are right here right now. Right. I'm going to read the New Testament this year. Our church is challenging everyone, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to stick with it. But right now, you look and you're like, well, I'm still in Mark. <laughs> They're way up ahead uh, of me, you know. And you had really good intentions, and it was very sincere. But it, then it just, it just didn't happen for for whatever reason. We don't have that with with God with His promise because. Uh, like we looked at that day and focused on Jesus being our good shepherd, he he went all in and he went in front of his sheep and took on that enemy, right? He he took it for them to protect us and to care for us, and and so now we can actually believe what was written in the Psalm, you know, in Psalm twenty three, that he leads us beside still waters, he lets us rest in green pastures, uh, and it's because it wasn't lip service. It was, it's who he is. God has shown us who he is. He's shown us his nature, right? Um, and so uh, we're thankful that Jesus is all in because we can be saved. Now, we, we know the gospel message, and by his grace and by faith, we we are saved. And, and then we have this promise that we have this good shepherd that one day we will have this perfect rest, you know, this struggle that we were just talking about of, trying to be all in for God, but yet the world is always pulling us away. The great news for us as Christians is one day we're not going to have that pull anymore. You know, and I, I can't even begin to think of what that'll feel like or be like mentally, physically, emotionally. I can't even begin to think about it because I've, I've only lived in the tug. I've only lived in that. Uh, I've only ever struggled with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's the promise that we have because Jesus did go all in on us. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. yeah and, 
And what, what you're talking about there, like that that end that we are looking forward to, uh, is is so important for us to remember because I mean the the fact that Jesus went all in that's the only reason that we can be all in. That's mm-hmm. the last point. Mm-hmm. Without the without a re- regenerated heart and new life in Christ, any effort that you put towards anything is is filthy rags. You know, it's it's only after you've been saved by the grace of God that you are that you can then live in good works, that you can glorify God with the way that you're living, not not to bring any glory to yourself. And that's the that's really the last point for for anyone is now you're called to be all in, mm-hmm. and uh, that doesn't mean that you are now have to keep up your salvation, that you're earning it. That's not what that means. What it does mean is that, yeah, now starts this journey of continually uh, repenting of your sin and instead living in a way that honors the Lord. And this is what Paul talks about in Ephesians, or I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 3, uh, verse starting in verse 12, which is where we went in our camp devotions. When Paul, he's using language, he says, brothers, I do not um, consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Paul's not, I don't, that that's not language in my mind to use an illustration of just floating on a little floaty down a lazy river. You know, he's straining forward. He's striving towards the goal of the the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He is trying to live a godly life, trying to grow in that. And that is what we are called to do as believers now, is to do that, is to live in that way, to glorify God with our bodies, to offer ourselves, Paul will say somewhere else, as slaves to righteousness. And so, but remembering what you said, Tim, is so important because— if, if that's all we have in mind is that, okay, now I strive, now I go. If we don't remember what you said, it can get really discouraging. And we can lose heart and lose hope thinking there's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm not a Christian. Maybe I'm not doing this. Because you will slip up. You will fail every now and again. And so it's why the call for you to be all in is not simply a call for you to change the way you live. It's also a change of mind to recognize this place is not my home. Mm-hmm. This is not the final place where God has me. I am waiting for a day, and that's exactly where Paul goes in that passage in Philippians. He says that, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So are we striving in this life once we are saved? Yes. Are we straining forward? Yes. But we we're also waiting for Christ to come back. And uh, until he does, we're all in. Mm-hmm. It's funny, as I get older, you realize how the same things that we harp on the youth about are things we're still having to harp on ourselves about. You yeah, know? yeah. And uh, I would also think, you know, okay, we got to dumb things down for these youth a little bit and, and challenge them here this week. We just want to keep it simple. We'll talk about sin a little bit. We're going to talk about the gospel, what Jesus has done, and then we're going to challenge them to live their life for him you know, and it just sounds so simple and so basic. And when you think about it, it's like, that's what we do every Sunday. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's what I got to remind myself in my life all the time mm-hmm. over and over again. And I need to be reminded of it because mm-hmm. 
uh, of the struggles that it is to live in this world, but be reminded about the promises of God and what I have and what's been given to me in Christ. And yeah, it, it was very good. Scott, you did a good job this week and I'm thankful for all the adults who came and, and were apart and gave up vacation time or whatever it was to, to, you know, be there for those students. And, uh, we had a good time. I'm thankful that our church allows us to, to do that as well. Um, Scott, did you have anything else before I close this up? No. No. All right. Like I said, we're going to be moving ahead to uh, a series on the Psalms. We try to do that in the summer. Uh, so looking forward to that. Still trying to look through which Psalms it'll be. Uh, but it'll be a Psalm. <laughs> I can promise that. <laughs> it'll be a Psalm. And we'll go through one uh, each week, probably, probably for the month of uh, July and August as well. That's two months. That's two months. Yeah, those, those two months. <laughs> Um, so that'll be the, that'll be the hope. Surfing through the Psalms. Surfing through the Psalms. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. You know, I mean, just, yeah, just. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't I shock mean, me you said that. Hopefully. <laughs> I'm a surfer from Missouri. We yeah. A surfboard. We saw it at Menards. It could be a prop. Yeah. Wow. Oh, man. Well, hopefully you hear this. Uh, if you hear this, then the fact that Spencer dropped the memory card in his coffee a little bit ago didn't have the impact we thought it might. Yeah. But if I've, you don't hear this. I've drank the coffee, though, and I, I feel like I'm gaining some stuff back you're into gaining my mind memory. now. <laughs> some of the I'm past podcasts voices. are coming back to mind. No, but... Uh, all right, well, um, hopefully you are here Sunday again to uh, hear Pastor Scott's message. If not, it'll be online. If it's not already, it will be very shortly. And so you can uh, listen to that. Uh, but again, I, I hope to see you this coming Sunday, which is July 3rd, usually a big weekend uh, for us in this country as we celebrate July 4th together, our independence. And so hopefully you have something planned for that. That'll be on, on Monday. But um, again, I, I hope to see you Sunday. If I don't see you Sunday, I do hope that you have a blessed week. God bless. Thanks for listening.